I'm finna put all this in my book bag because I'm from the streets. Yeah, yeah. Boom, what's going on? It's your boy Ambition, and we're back at it with another episode of the MYFB podcast. And today with us, we have Mr. Trent Hogg. And catching a little bit of his backstory, just a overall very powerful individual. And what you guys are about to embark on is so far from what I've heard, the true essence of what happens when a man seeks to study and build upon what that concept of being a man is and seek out what many of us nowadays would call divine masculinity. Actually, back in the day as well. So uh, let's talk about it. How you doing today, Trent? I'm good, brother. Thanks for the opportunity to be on your podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, man. Thank you for coming on. You got it, uh, brother. So uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Like, who is Trent? What do, what do you want them to know about Trent? Uh, just real quick. I mean, I'm a cancer survivor. I'm a single dad, uh, educator, former educator. Uh, I was just kind of sick and tired of being put into a box with everybody else. And I had to learn how to break away from my own cycles of misery to gain the personal and just personal freedom, basically, as what I desired. And my freedom looks different than everybody else's. And so now I provide space for men. It's really for anybody, but I've kind of focused on men just this, this time of year who are just basically unsatisfied with their life and help them discover a path designed by them so that they are able to live life on their own terms without sacrificing their own values and or their families. And, I, you know, there's been so much that's happened in my life that just getting everybody's story out there and mine too, I never know who I can help. So I try to get on as many platforms as I can to help whoever I can. Uh, I, I love your mission too, because, um, you know, there's not enough men that are often willing to step out in front of men and say, we help men. It's almost right. like we're afraid of being judged by ever met other men. Um, so has that been a part of your journey? Have, has there been, you know, this thing where the people who you're showing up to help because they don't understand it at first, maybe they're judging or, you know, they, there's a sense of maybe they don't respect what you do. There has been a little bit of, of that. And it goes along the lines of people know what I do. You know, I talk about who I am and what my story is and what my mission is. And especially when I'm talking to guys, they kind of, I can immediately see that guard kind of go up when I start talking about, well, I help men do this, or, you know, I talk to men about this. And at the end of the conversation, it's that, oh yeah, man, that's cool. That's so well needed. Well, good luck with that. You know, then they kind of peace out on the along their way. And I'm like, well, like <laughs> some, I hope someday you come around to understanding and knowing and realizing your own truth and what that is, because, you know, there's the converse, just going along a conversation, you can tell it's like, man, there's so much more you can offer. And you just need a little bit of help to get that out there. And you'd be surprised, you know, of what your power is. Just find your own superpower. No, uh, definitely. Um, as, even as you mentioned that for myself, it's realizing that, you know, I, I've just stepped into the zone of some of those things that you were talking about. As far as, you know, truly being authentic to self, I was making, you know, really good money working a cybersecurity job, but being honest with myself, this isn't what I want to do. This isn't impacting people. I'm not being of, you know, feeling like I'm not operating within my purpose. And then there's, you know, starting my podcast, starting my business, uh, doing, you know, my digital entrepreneurship program so I can bring some of those skills from corporate and uh, disseminate them to smaller businesses and people doing startups where they wouldn't have had them. 
that feels more uh, on course. It feels more fulfilling. And, you know, the need to go through these emotional uh, changes where it's just acknowledging my own emotions. Uh, it's been going through that time and time and time again and just being real with myself every day. So I can definitely see the need for the spaces that you're talking about. Uh, otherwise, you just end up being um, being a rock who produces something that you wish would be valuable to people. And it's not even valuable to yourself. Absolutely. And, and I worked in a corporate environment earlier on in my career as well for a large financial firm. Right, it was during the time of 9 11, too. And so I had one, wow. I had this one position. I was, you know, opening up new accounts and doing all these types of things. All of a sudden, like the world fell apart and everything kind of stopped. And so I moved into a different position within that company, ended up meeting uh, a really good friend of mine. Unfortunately, he's not here any longer, uh, but he and I shared health issues because I was, I got diagnosed when I was, when I moved into that new position. I met him, he had his own health condition. And so he and I kind of commiserated together of our own health, our own health issues. And we got to know one another. And he just saw, he gave me a different perspective on life. And, you know, I, I went off for my transplant and came back and, you know, it's, it's just not living to your, your authentic self. And I knew that deep inside, but I, I just, it, I wouldn't allow myself to acknowledge it. There was always some just eating at me and eating at me. Right. And I know a lot of, you know, a lot of guys that I've talked to as well, but one thing that has helped me more recently within the last year or two is I took one of those strengths assessment. I had my own coach and she asked me, you know, take this strengths strengths assessment. And it came back to like my number one strength. There's 34 of them, but mm -hmm. my number one strength was empathy. And I never mm -hmm. knew that could be used as a strength. I just thought it was just, I'll just feel whatever, you know, I was like, I just, I'm just emotional dude, which is also looked down upon, but you know, to know that I can use it as a strength, really kind of opened my eyes a little further to understanding myself and to go, hell man, I can do something with this, you know? No, I, I think it's a uh, very important, right. Um, you know, as we were chatting right before we hit record, uh, I think it's really important that leaders, right. And men often wish to be leaders okay. and the soft skill. That's really a fucking hard skill that you're missing is empathy, right? If you don't have empathy, I'm not going to follow you anywhere because you may lead me, you know, through very damaging things for something that you believe in just a little bit. Right. Um, or something that even though you believe in may not be worth it. Um, but the leader who truly understands what not just him, but his people actually sacrifice to uh, to support whatever the belief is, whatever the cause is, whatever the the purpose is that's the leader that people want to follow. That's the, the guy that, you know, people rave to their grandchildren about and teach them what leadership is, right? That's how we ended up with stories about, you know, all of these guys that we look up to. That's how you hear about the Martin Luther Kings and the Marcus Garveys and the, the generals and the Abraham Lincolns and all of these people. It's the stories of how they used empathy. And 100%. yeah. Because it's not the people that they, uh, you know, a lot of times when we look at war, even there's empathy with warriors, right? And it's, it's not the, the enemies that are raving about how awesome they are. It, it's the people who they supported. 100%. And the other piece of that, too, that I've also learned along the way uh, that I've really 
taken a deep dive into over the last two or three years was emotional intelligence. You got to have that emotional intelligence because it goes right in line with everything else, but it has right. so many categories to it that I've learned so much further about myself too. And speaking of the wow. leaders you just spoke about, you know, it's the, having that belief system and that's, right. what, that's, that's what defined them. And that's what made them different from everybody else. They didn't like Martin Luther King didn't say, you know, I hope to have a dream. You know, right. He had, he believed, and this was his dream and this is what he put forth. And so uh, people started following him and looking at him as a leader, like, damn, this dude has a message and he believes everything that he says, you know, and you just naturally attract to somebody like that. Right. It's uh, I think Simon Sinek said he's like, it's not a, I have a plan speech. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's the same. It's the same thing. And cause I've watched the Simon Sinek thing too. And it, it right. is amazing because it triggers something like, you know, I'll be damn, that dude's got a point. Like, right. Look at it that way. <laughs> Different perspective. Listen, we watched that uh, actually a couple of days ago and that this is how crazy this is, right? Watched it a couple of days ago and went back and wrote out all of these I believe statements for our businesses because we realized that we were doing the same thing he talks about in that video. Um, but Simon Sinek was talking about it for leaders and in general, but it's understanding that what you're talking about is people doing this within their lives, right? Like just living their day-to-day -day lives. And um, I, I guess the question here is, would you say the, the at-home life, the family life, your relationships, are those about uh, a mission or are those about truly allowing the empathy and creating the space for uh, every person to shine? I think they go hand in hand. I mean, you got to have a mission and you have, like for me, having being a single dad, my son is 10 and having mm -hmm. looked back at just my life and going something, you know, the whole something's missing, whatever. And then him coming into my life and, you know, Christmas time is about to come up and we're all talking about gifts and doing good deeds, all this kind of stuff. And I came to realize like the best gift that I could ever give my son is my happiness, which right. for, which formed my mission is like, okay, what's going to make you happy, you know, with my empathy and everything else, how am I going to be the best role model for him on my mission? to show him that I can, that here's how you show up, but don't leave anyone behind at the same time, you know? And so I try to be the best example I can for him. I mean, being a parent, it's not the easiest damn thing. And you can, there's certainly massive failures that I've had already with him, but it's just doing the best you got with what you, with what you know and what you think is best for your situation. No, definitely. Um, I definitely agree with that. It's, uh, it, it, it's one of those things where, when, when you're young, none of this stuff actually makes sense, right? Like, <laughs> so true. <laughs> the, the, when I was 19, there's no conversation that we're having about empathy. I'm like, what the? F I'm literally going to look at you like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right. <laughs> are you trying to manipulate me? This seems like you're trying to manipulate me. Are you, yep. what are you like, I don't trust it. It's like what you're <laughs> plotting, right? Um, And then as you get older, you realize like, no, I, I don't even want to be in the same room with men who don't understand this concept because the way that you move is you may take certain things for granted. You may not be aware of how damaging things can be and the true lasting effect that negative things have. We often talk about the effect that positive things have, right? Um, but it's all energy, right? So it's all in which direction you decide to go. You can be a wonderful experience in someone's life or you could be that thing we spend the rest of our life trying to get over or forget 
that is that brings up an interesting story for me is i had leukemia i was diagnosed with leukemia when i was 25 and and i was in 2003 i went for my stem cell transplant got on the other side of it but my perfect donor ended up being my biological father who i had not spoken to or seen in 16 years since he gave up his rights so i've and there's only a three percent chance that could happen so it was like this whole miracle you he, so essentially he gave me life twice and I get on the other side of it and start kind of recovering my faculties because I went through just a shit ton of chemo and all that kind of stuff. And you just, you lose sense of who you are. But I tried to talk to him to try to reestablish some sort of relationship with him. And he couldn't let the past shit go. Like he always seemed to struggle with just letting shit go. And I'm like, you have an opportunity to rekindle something with your son. One of them. The other one kind of already fucking wrote you off. Now you got a chance to do something with the only one you got left and you can't get out of your own damn way. And so you're talking about not even want to be in the same room or have the same, any kind of conversation. I was like, I, I don't want to live my life that way. That's right. not a good example. You know, I have a chance, a second chance of life here to start over. And I certainly don't want to live my life that way. Right. And um, I think, I think it's beautiful that you actually acknowledge that fact that, you know, the chance was there, the opportunity was there. Right. Um, I think that's how I look at my uh, relationship with my father as well is, you know, this is an opportunity. Um, and when, even when I became an adult, you know, I didn't think about any of the things that happened in the past. It was, uh, you know, let's operate based off of the fact that I'm a man and I can respect you and hopefully you can respect me. Um, and then, you know, actually there was a lot of depression and mental health issues that I went around uh, that, I went through because my father passed away in 2011 and I think it hit me around 2016 and it was lucky for me that my son was already born, uh, you know, cause in this way, I think my son saved my life. It was, you know, when my father passed away, I felt like, why am I doing this anymore? Like a lot of things that I was doing was because I wanted to prove that I was worthy of the father that I didn't have. Um, and then when I had my son, it made me realize like, man, spent a lot of time thinking about this. What type of father do I want to be? Right. Yep. And, yep. you know, I was in the military at the time and anyone who's in the military knows um, it's very hard to be in the military and a present father. Right. It's a major sacrifice that you make. Um, and I wasn't comfortable making that sacrifice right at all yeah, uh, yeah. so you know I finished off my enlistment and I got out and you know I really started changing the ways that I interacted with my son because I was interacting you know coming from the culture that I was in which is you know I go from Brooklyn New York to the military the harsh environment to harsh environment <laughs> um so you know imagine a pretty harsh person but then I realized that my son, who I want to have this loving relationship with, if I talk to him, he flinches. Yeah, yeah. Right. And um, so I, I had to stop. Right. And it, it was also realizing for me, you know, wow, I can see myself in that. Yeah. Right. And having to actually pay attention to the truth. Right. What hurts the most is there were times where. I flinched and no one stopped, but that's not my son's problem. Right. Right. That's mine. And being a man is dealing with that. 
taking it on as my burden, my life. My, that's the stuff that I've been through and being able to teach him a lesson from it. So it, there is some good that eventually came about with that. Um, so just to give a story on why empathy is so important, especially for fathers. Uh, so if you're a man and you're listening and you're feeling a little uncomfortable with the empathetic conversations, you, you know, your sons need it. We, we all need needs it. it. Everybody right. needs it. We all 100%. need it. hundred percent. Let me ask you a question real quick. Cause mm-hmm. you know, you, you thank you for your service, by the way, I don't want to let that go un, unacknowledged. Thank you for your military service, man. Thank you for your support. They paid me though. It's all good, man. They should. Right. Thank you for paying <laughs> your taxes. Amen, man. <laughs> but what I noticed along the way, having my biological father give up his rights and then my stepdad, who I consider my dad, he passed away in 93. Mm-hmm. What I didn't realize at the time is both of those are abandonment in their own rights and their own forms. There's yeah. two, there's just two different ways. Did you have to deal with that too? Like, did you feel a sense of abandonment along with your grief or is it just solid grief and not, and not feeling of an abandonment? Oh no, it was definitely feeling like abandonment. I felt like it was like, dude, you, you left me again. Right. Yeah. Yep. I was like, here, here we are. We finally have this opportunity, right? There's no child support. There's no case. Right. Yep. <laughs> None of that. And you just up and die. Who told you you had the right to do that? Right. Right. Um, so yeah, there was, there was a lot of, uh, you know, cause I've done, you know, became a hypnotherapist so I could deal with my own shit and obviously sure. gotten hypnotherapy because you can't deal with all of your shit. Um, <laughs> but that, yeah, it was acknowledging. Yeah. I was probably acting like this abandoned orphan most of my life and really acknowledging, uh, acknowledging that and just kind of going okay i I need to sit back this isn't who i am this is who i am right this is what i've been through but it's not who i am and just going through and you know acknowledging that you know i did have a father the fatherhood the father energy was always around me right there was always men who showed up that had the backbone that I could see the example of. And, you know, I just became thankful for the energy that was around me versus um, being hurt over the person who wasn't there. Yeah. It, well, I mean, for me, it took, it took me a while just to process that. I mean, the better part of, you know, five in between five and 10 years, you know, I was just, I just looked at it as a loss because no one else, cause I was in high school when I lost my, when I lost my dad. And so, and a freshman at that, and so no one else that I was around was going through what I was going through. I was felt very isolated, very alone, but it was just that I had a loss. I didn't look at it as an abandonment. It could turn into an abandonment thing and, sh- and sure as shit that it did. So, you know, going through all my cancer stuff and he passed away from cancer. There was like the, the parallel universes, but I remember walking past uh, playgrounds and malls and that kind of stuff, or just playgrounds in general. And just wondered if I was going to get the opportunity to, to right. be a father myself. And I mean, it scared the shit out of me to sit there and think that it wasn't going to happen. Cause I mean, you know, you're in your fucking twenties, nothing can happen to you. Right. You're untouchable. Right. And here you are, you find out that uh, life isn't forever. And so it, gets, it just gets you thinking. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, that that's definitely um, a thing that men don't like to talk about once we finally get a sense of our mortality. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. And, and, you know, you could go through your teens and your twenties and, 
everyone's dying around you. And then for me, it was uh, last year, my, my best friend died. So it, it's a person that I identify with. I see myself in is like, no, you're not supposed to die. That's right. Like it, and it feels like I lost a piece of me because of how I am, how I'm invested into the person. But um, at the same time, it's just kind of acknowledging as well. Like, yeah, there's a big piece of this that, you know, a lot gives me the chance to not take life for granted and to make sure that, you know, I'm living honorably um, and that I'm doing all of the things that would make these people proud, right? Because I have chances that they didn't have. Yeah. Um, and I, I would say for, for me, that's how it goes, but I have a question for you, right? Yeah. As you were going through, you said cancer, leukemia, um, you know, I think there's oftentimes that a lot of us would say, well, we have a balancing of thoughts, right? So I think most of us agree that we have a dark side or a dangerous side, those sorts of things. And we have a, you know, more compassionate side, which is where we would like to live. Mm -hmm. Um, But being a man, I think you also have to have a dangerous side, right? Like you have to be able to protect yourself and the people around you. Um, There can be a temptation for many of us to lean into that power, right? Or to the perceived power of that space. Um, while you were going through those things, whether it was, you know, you know, your father behaving the way he did, or, you know, your stepfather passing away, or even going through, uh, cancer, did you feel a need to lean into that perceived power? The dark side, you mean? Yeah. Dark, yeah, I did. There was, there was several times that, um, I was like, would it just be easier to end it all? I don't want to have to go through this. And that's, that's a rest, the darkest part of it all. Cause the, it's the fear of the unknown. Cause this right. is something that I just, I, you know, you don't ever think about until it happens to you and you go, you know, going through all these doctor's appointments and trying to retain any information that they give you. Um, yeah. I mean, there was, I spent many, many an hour in tears, just trying to figure out like what all this meant. And then, you know, leaving to go, I, I, my transplant was out in Seattle. And so leave, I'm in Florida. So leaving from Florida to go out to Seattle, wow. leaving, every, leaving everything behind and going into, you know, an isolation type situation. Once you get into the hospital, I mean, people could, I had my uh, girlfriend there. She was there and my mom could, was there also. So, I mean, they could visit me, but if you had just a hint of a sniffle or whatever, like you weren't allowed on that floor, but leading up to those moments, man, I tell you, it was a lot, a lot of dark times. And I had a, the biggest thing is I had that kept me going is I discovered my support system. That was, wow. that was the most important thing. The people that I didn't even know just came out of the woodwork, rallied around me. You're going to get through this. You're going to survive. You're going to live until you're 90, you know, you know, all this stuff. And it took a while to believe them. It's like, but you don't even know what I'm going through. You don't know what like physically I, I looked okay. Cause they finally got everything balanced out. But emotionally I'm a fucking wreck, man. I mean, it's like, I don't want my life to end this way. And so right. Either I'm going to end it. I don't want this shit to end it. Either I'm going to get through it. I'm going to end it. And I, had to, and I had to make that decision to, to fight through it. That, that captures something that I was talking to my girlfriend about the other day. We were talking about, you know, men and the suicide rate. And one of the things that I told her about is the, um, 
the culture around uh, Japanese harakiri or seppuku and how there's no disrespect towards those men. It's not that they were, you know, soft men. It was men that wanted to retain their power. And, you know, in, by no means would I advocate that. And by no means am I saying that's what should be done. Um, but, you know, just acknowledging that as a veteran, I have friends that I've lost to suicide and those men were warriors. Right. And that sort of thing um, doesn't make them powerless. I know a lot of people who are being selfish in their own right would like to call those people selfish. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, or cowards. I don't think it's any of that. I think it's when you feel powerless, you there, there, and that's why I brought up that dark side, right? Like yep. you, you opt for what power you feel like you have. Um, and that is a power that you have. It's just not the only power, right? If that's something that you can do, you can also ask for help. For sure. Right. And I think because we, we know that these are things that we go through and we can acknowledge that, you know, the, there are thoughts that you had. I, I can be honest with people and say, Hey, I, there was times I was in a four bedroom house that I owned and sat in my car, in my driveway. And I've thought about it. Right. Um, no one's exempt. And I think people deserve a little bit of compassion, a little bit of empathy. So, you know, just reaching out and saying, yo, what's up? What's going on? That's right. True. Um, I think that means a lot. And, you know, just being able to be someone that people can reach back out to. So I definitely respect the work that you do. And, uh, if anyone does decide to say something about it, we can go to blows over that. <laughs> it's, it's true but i mean you, it's you, you sparked something else uh, a couple of things right there that knowing where i was in that dark space and knowing people can get into the dark space it's a matter of i made like a vow to myself to pay more attention to my surroundings and what's going on right to pay more attention to what i'm feeling and to kind of step into that and it's not in some like non-manly way it's just pay attention in a conversation as to what's been going on who's around you what are they saying you know are there any kind of indicators um and and the one thing that i that i try to tell my son too when he gets you know he gets all fired up on things and it's kind of the same the same way when you come to your decision to a decision is everything in life comes down to two choices and you just have to whatever you decide on those two choices you have to live with whatever consequence that is but you have to understand, like, you know, it's, it's, it's the pause in the thought, I think is, is what got me. It's just take a second and think, is this decision, is it good? If I do this, here's the two choices. If I go this direction, this is where it can lead. Do I want that? Or over here, do I want that? You know, the good versus evil, the good, bad, whatever you want to call it. Right. But it, it really, I mean, you can have five options in front of you, but you can always narrow them down to two. And you got to make, and you make a decision between those two, but you have to live with the consequences of your decision, good, bad, or indifferent. Well, and that's the difference between someone, for me personally, that's the difference between someone I can respect and someone who I, I need to stay away from, right? Like you can warn a person who does something deliberately. You can negotiate with someone who's doing something deliberately, but um, carelessness isn't something you can 
defend yourself against, right? right? In fact, the only defense against carelessness is separation in space, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so that's something that I've had to learn. Uh, so I, I think that's really important. I, I think a lot of men are finding out that when they are in situations, and this may be a slightly off topic, but we'll segue into something else. Sounds um, good, man. That when you are in situations where people are being careless with you, right? We can often dive into, oh, well, you're not a man because you're not dealing with it. Oh, look at you getting emotional. No, if someone's being careless with you, what else are they being careless with is the question I would ask. I'm not saying completely isolate yourself. I'm saying, um, you know, protect yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. And, And when you realize that someone's being careless with you, I mean, you have to, you, we all hold ourselves in our own esteem. I mean, you got to be a fan of number one, right? you know, and, and go through life that way before you can take care of number two or number three or whatever, you know, you got to take care of number one. But if someone's being careless with you in whatever way, it could be physical, emotional, that's an indicator that you need to step the fuck away from somebody, right? you know, just, just move. It doesn't matter. Just get away from them. Because like you said, if they're careless with you, where else are they being careless? And where have they been careless up to this point? And you just haven't paid attention. You just don't know. Right. No, definitely. All right. So going back to some of the things that you've been through, definitely you've uh, been through some deep trenches. And I think what a lot of us are essentially trying to master is how to go through our deepest trenches and come out with these superpowers, so to speak. Right. right. Um, and I, I've looked at it that way for myself as well. There's, In fact, there's a lot of things that you say that um, I find myself aligned with. Um, what would you say has been, well, I think you said it, empathy being your super, the superpower. Yep. Um, how has that impacted your life within some of the things that we may consider to be the traditional wants and desires, right? Like, so how has it impacted your relationships, your finances, your work-life balance? What does that look like? Since what with me, the empathy has been all about the relationships and the relational aspects of life. Um, and over time, you know, for reflecting on the things that I have been through and the people that I've been with and this kind of stuff, I've allowed, I allowed them to kind of walk all over me and I didn't put it into it, you know, which mm-hmm. affects everything else. Because if you're feeling downtrodden and, you know, you're not, then you're not aware of anything else. You're just kind of feeling sorry for yourself. And so it's just a matter of going back and, you know, I had to go back and find my cycles of misery. Like I'm miserable. I'm fucking miserable. Like I don't want to continue to live in misery. Like what the hell am I supposed to do? And so I had to figure out how to break my cycle and in in doing so it's learning how to overcome the fear of breaking those cycles because they become just entrenched in you. But the biggest thing that I found out are the influencers who has influenced this type of behavior from me. You know, where where did I learn all this stuff from? And that's what I call them. It's just the influencers, you know, cause now with social media, everything else, you look at influencers a different way, but you had influencers long ago, mm. you know, your parents, your friends long ago has influenced them. And, and, and I started looking back with, like we were talking about a little bit ago, what you should, what you shouldn't do. Like as a man, you shouldn't cry, go, you know, don't cry in front of me, go to your room or I'll give you something to cry about or something, you know, you know, this <laughs> type of shit. And it's like, yeah, exactly. That one. <laughs> but we've all heard it. Right. If you grew up in a certain period of time, 
I can't sit there and place a blame. I don't want to blame. They are, they were doing the best they could with what they knew and it just kept getting passed and passed and passed. And so that's when I was like, fuck it. You got to break the cycle. You have to break the cycle and not be afraid of it, but the overcome the fear of naming who, who taught you this because all behavior is taught. You've learned it's learned. You said something that I think is very beautiful that, um, a lot of people need to realize, and I don't care which side you're on. If you have been healing and you feel like, fuck those people, they did that to me. I Mm -hmm. listen, you're still healing. There's still a lot, lot for you need to do. Um, and if you're on the other side and you're avoiding the healing because you think there's some recompense coming your way, some, some cookies that you need to eat, Listen, as a hypnotherapist, I've told all of my clients, like, I don't need you to go to your parents and tell them how fucked up they've been. And like, that's, that's not what this is about. This is about you. And if you feel like you need to do that, we can close our eyes. And I need you to imagine your parents and tell the vision of your parents that you have, because the vision that you have in your head isn't the reality, right? There's, there's no way that you could fathom what they went through, just like there's no way that they could fathom what you went through, which is where these misunderstandings are coming from. Um, so I think what you just said is beautiful. Uh, the part of they were doing the best they could with what they had, right? Yeah. Nobody would have been uh, doing fucked up shit if they knew it was all that fucked up. I would hope not intentionally anyway. Right. You know? That and, would and be true evil. Exactly. And along the studies that I've done as well, and I, I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head. I can see his face, but I can't picture. I can't tell you his name. Um, his studies were like between the age of zero and seven, like your whole personality, everything is formed and it just kind of comes out as you get older. And so when you're in your twenties, that kind of stuff, the, all those influences from back then have developed you. Right. And, it, you know, it's it blew my mind when I when I was hearing about that as well. But, yeah, you know, and then once you can go through all the break in the cycle, overcoming your fear, you know, your influence, that kind of stuff, then you have to understand who you are, break it down. It's like you got to know your own power, then you got to claim it and then you got to wield it. And that's, you know, that's another piece of the whole puzzle, just figuring all those little pieces out and stepping into whatever greatness you feel you need to step into. Listen, if you guys can't can't hear it, but the smile on my face is because I I realized that when I was 19, I was like, man, there's all of this desire to be great, right? It it's so strong. It's this thing inside of me that is starting to fucking burn me up. No. Nope. Right. And it's like you gotta learn how to control the dragon. Mm-hmm. And every man has to learn that. And there's not a single one who doesn't have that problem. Nope. I don't think there's a single woman who doesn't have that problem. Oh, I think we should. Right. I think we've tried to convince women they don't have that problem and thereby have made it our problem. Right. I think that's really the, the sad truth of where we're at today when we talk about, you know, feminism and the patriarchy and all of those things. It's it's people who have felt like their power has been stolen but it really hasn't been stolen. It's, it's right there. And it's that same power in you that's burning you up. Absolutely. You just brought up a good point too, with I've compared some of the movements that happened since COVID happened. Mm -hmm. You know, we've had all these types of movements, the, the, a lot of women, the me too movement, you know, um, 
just all these various movements that are everywhere. And it made me realize something too. It's like, but talking with men, they feel like they're getting ignored now. Like they're way down here. And I'm like, it, it doesn't have to be that way. You're looking at it wrong yeah. because it's everybody bringing up to an equal level. That's what it's kind of being. If we're women and men, there's a lot of fucked up shit that we need to still work on. I'm not saying that there's so many more issues at hand. Right. But for me, I compare it to like rowing a boat. It's like, if you have the men up here on one side of the boat and they're rowing and you got the women over here because they feel a certain way or vice versa, you row a boat on one side, you're going in a damn circle. You're not going to get anywhere. So it's like in order to row the boat forward, both sides have got to have their share. And, you know, sometimes you got to divert it. You got to move it around. So one side has to pick up the slack. The other side has to pick up their slack, but you got to move it together. I, I do agree with that. And my thing can also be if you if you're in the space where you dislike a certain group, right? Like if you wake up every morning and you feel like you got to go tell women how they're fucked up. Or if you wake up every morning and you got to go tell men how they're fucked up or go tell that group or this group, I don't care who you are. If that's what you're doing, find a space where all of you can agree who's fucked up and go talk about that over there. Yes. Right. No <laughs> one cares. Yes. Right. I, I can't tell you. It, it's like it becomes immediate with me. Right. If I'm scrolling through Facebook or Instagram and I, I've become so aware of guarding myself, I go, oh, OK, here, here's somebody complaining about something that they think men do, but it's just the men that you've chosen. Um, right. So let me go ahead and snooze you for 30 days. I don't want to see your shit for 30 days. Right. And we'll come back 30 days later and see if you're still on the same shit. That's it. That's it. But there comes the choices and a decision. Yeah, you have, you know, that's what it comes down to. You're, you got your two choices. I can either continue to listen to this bullshit over here or I can just I'm going to make the decision just to ignore it altogether. And uh, a work situation happened many, many years ago. This this lady, I'd said some comment or whatever, and she got offended by it and just kind of sat on it for a while without telling me anything about it. So she was just silent. I was like, I finally said, are you all right? And she said, yeah, you know, last week you said blah, blah, blah. And I was like, why are you bringing up old shit for one? But if that's how you want to go, then fine. <laughs> You know, and I was like, well, what did I even say? I was like, I, and she was, she said, and I was like, okay. Uh, and it was an education. I said, I'm going to put it to you this way. And I hope what you just take it, how it is. If you have time to be offended, you don't have enough to do. And that's kind of how I live my life. If I have time to be offended, I don't have enough shit to do. <laughs> and there's a problem. So I just, I just kind of live my life that way. I don't pay attention to some of the shit because I need shit to do. I like to go make money. I like to go help people. I like to hang with my, I like whatever. I ain't got the time to be offended. I just don't. I just don't. And you, you hit the nail on the head. It's like um, my, my girlfriend and me have that argument all the time. And I think that's just like a quintessential difference between, you know, just a, a more assertive person and a, a bit more passive person. Something is said. And if you say something that offends someone that's passive, the I'm just moving through life, right? Like mm. I'm a big kid. If I fail and I, I was playing and I hit you, tell me in the moment. Yep. If you wait too long, I I forgot, right? Right. Yes. And if this was a court of law, I have plausible deniability. Yep. So now you're heard about something that never happened in my mind. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then you going back and you want to reconfigure the way that I think about myself because you weren't ready to talk about it when it happened. Yeah. And, and I get it. Everybody's been through some stuff, but when it's, when it's that small, I, I don't think it's worth fucking up your day over. No, no, no. When it comes to that shit, I plead the fifth. Cause I honestly just don't know. Right. I just, <laughs> like I really just don't remember. I've tried to move on with my days, move on with my time, whatever. I don't need to rehash shit. It's in the past. And, and something should have been said right then. So, yeah, I, I came up with that and, and I kind of lived by it ever since. I was like, damn, dude, that's pretty good. But, like, I, so, you know, I think there's an example where you can't say shit in the past. Right. Like, um, so, for example, um, you know, abandonment as a kid, that sort of thing. Things that were done to you when you genuinely were not in a position of power. Right. Sure. It, there's things like that. However, one would hope if you're an adult that you've only put yourself in positions where you can speak up in the moment yeah. that you don't like something right or at the first available moment yeah absolutely no I mean, when you come to those serious issues i mean that goes beyond uh being offensive i mean that's a that's a traumatic you're dealing with trauma and traumatic events and that kind of stuff and you know to that's something that needs to be worked through and it doesn't come out immediately and that's the same thing with you know just dealing with the whole grief situation too people are like aren't you over that by now i might not ever get over it Right. Who are you to who are you? I don't need permission from anybody. I, this is my shit. This meant something to me. And it doesn't matter if you lose, uh, you know, you lose your dog, you lose, you're in a divorce, you know, you lose a parent or whatever. It's a loss nonetheless. And it needs right. to be grieved and given the appropriate attention. So 100%, man, you gotta, you gotta acknowledge things, but just some of the, you know, people just get offended by some of the easiest shit. And I'm just like, nah, I ain't got time for that. That is very true. Right. Like <laughs> I, I have no idea what would be gnawing at people's nads, but uh, I, I can surely tell you I've stopped watching the news. Mm -hmm. I do not participate in whatever folly is going on. I have nope. things to do. Uh, if it's that important, somebody that I love will tell me and they know how to filter out bullshit. That's it. And this conversation between you and I is far more important than anything that's going on in the world right now. Well, I definitely think so. Right. That's I think how, that's that, how I feel about it. Oh. Right. And I think that when we share this conversation, it's made to have a positive impact versus uh, what's the new COVID variant, Omarion? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> He's playing his own music anyway, you know? Right. So. Like, <laughs> okay, so th there's a portion of the podcast, obviously, very authentic podcast, say whatever you want, but we want people to connect with you a little bit. So... What's the craziest story that you could tell us? Craziest thing that you've been through, right? Crazy good. Crazy good. Uh, or crazy wild, like. There, well, it was one of the one of the things that happened while I was in Seattle, about to go through my transplant. It was just a weird situation. Uh, my brother was out there, my mom and my girlfriend at the time. We wanted to go whale watching. It was just something to do. You know, so we went to go right. inquire about it and you know, I've been drinking a shit ton of water and I had to go to the restroom. So I went over to the restroom, whatever. And this one dude was in the stall next to me or, you know, the, the urinal next to me. And I hear just like this beeping kind of low beeping noise, or whatever. Dude goes and washes his hands, you know, and he leaves. I go wash my hands and I'm leaving. But that dude is sitting at the door. He's kind of holding the door open for me. I was like, it's kind of fucking weird, but what, you know, whatever. So I was like, you know, thanks. And he was like, Hey, can I talk to you for a second? And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, what's up? He's like, and he just started asking me questions like what I was doing there. Where do I, where am I from? All this kind of stuff. And then he, he motioned his partner to come over 
and it was i was like what the hell is going like like i just came to use the bathroom and just jet out that's all i needed to do but that thing was still going off that little beeping noise and i noticed it and it was like well, you know what's your business here like what are you doing here where are you are you from here or blah 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 and i was just like we're about to go fucking whale watching man i don't <laughs> i don't know what these questions are for come to find out they are customs uh, border patrol people and since I'd been going through testing and everything, I had radiation in me and those little things were detecting the radiation coming from me. So they thought I was housing a bomb or I was housing something in order to do something at the port that we were just at. <laughs> and I mean, they sat there and interviewed and interrogated me and here my, here my whole, you know, my family's sitting there looking at me through these double doors, like, dude, come on. Like, what are you waiting for? Like, what are you talking to these numbnuts for? Like, that was, and I was like, and I, so finally I, they were like, have you, whatever, I can't remember, like, the specific thing that clicked and i'm like oh shit i'm like yeah i was like i've been going through some tests i'm about to have a stem cell transplant i have leukemia you know i'm not contagious if that's what you're worried about so here we are you know but yeah just kept asking these damn questions but that was just so strange that you know, is god they, fucking they, awful <laughs> that they could sit there and pick up this radiation that i'm emanating and didn't even realize i was emanating nobody warned me it's like oh don't go to these ports because they'll have border patrol and and they're gonna question you and the little things will go off and they'll question the hell out of you and scare the shit out of you well then why isn't one of the fucking first questions they ask do you are you going through this well the thing is he they along the way they did i'm like no i'm good like uh because I i felt fine at the time and i'm sure they asked one of those questions i was like it's like, no, I'm one of the specific questions that just didn't register to me because I'm scared shitless. I'm like, why are you talking to me? Like, I'm just, <laughs> so right, that was just so, it was wild to me, man. All right. So I always uh, give my guests a story for a story. So since you told me a bathroom story, I'll give you a bathroom story. Um, <laughs> we was uh, so this is back when I was in Okinawa in the military. Uh, I think I'm like either. I'm 20 because we were definitely drinking. And that's why this story is important. And that's how it gets to the bathroom, right? Because everybody who drinks knows that a bear goes in and wants to come out. Mm -hmm. So I had a friend and young military members. So how do you think we drink? Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like I used to start my nights out with uh, three shots of uh, Patron and three shots of 151. Yeah. So God awful. Why were you doing, why was I doing this to myself? Yeah. I don't know, <clears throat> but I had a friend where every time he'd get drunk, he'd want to go to sleep. Right. Well, where do you think he went to sleep in the club? Oh man. Yeah. So oh, no. we're looking around people on the dance floor, girls everywhere, guys doing their thing. Right. Where's Chevy? Right. We uh, go in, we're like, man, where's Chevy? So now we're in the bathroom, we're banging on stalls. Right. We finally look under one and see his shoes. <laughs> right. So this has been like the third time he did this now. Right. Oh, man. So usually we get him come on out. But since this was like the third time, I think it was New Year's. I was like, man, fuck it. He's safe. <laughs> We'll grab him. <laughs> Can't go anywhere. He's good. Whatever. Right. He's sleeping in the stall. He had the stall lock. Right. So we finally go back to go get him. This is my New Year's outfit. I remember this New Year's outfit because I had planned it out. I had taken a picture and posted it. Uh, I 
I bought boxers to go with the polo shirt that I bought. And then I bought a fitted to go with that. And the polo shirt, when I took the picture, was still in the wrapper. Like, that's what I was doing, right? Now I had to take all my new clothes on this New Year's and climb over a bathroom uh, stall. In Okinawa, nonetheless. It, right. <laughs> and then just drag this. We, now we got to carry this guy out. Nah, man. So, yeah, that that's... Uh, bathroom stories with chevy so they didn't have the they didn't over there they didn't have the same bathroom attendants that we have here in the clubs offering you mints and wash your damn hands all this kind of those clubs were packed man (laughs) you know in those bathrooms exactly oh shit man great all right so now in the spirit of uh just bringing back everything back together what is the one thing that you would tell our listeners that they would need to be successful in their journeys a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs and overall people that are just trying to live their lives in the best fashion they can we all have a path in our lives man we just we all know that we're meant for something greater than ourselves and it's a matter of stepping into that no matter what it is and you can decide like i said it's it's the choices and decisions you can decide you know to stay in the shit or do something about it and if you want to do something about it you know, sometimes we just can't do it alone. Find the help, whoever that is, find what you need and go after it. And because I can tell you, life is short. I didn't realize how short life and well, for some people, life is long, but life is short and you got to live every day. I mean, I know it's kind of cliche, but live, live every day like it's your last. And that's true. Find what makes you happy and go after it. You have to. I definitely agree with that. Definitely find what happy and makes you go. Uh, make sure you go for it. Go for uh, it. Thank you, Trent. I think this has been an awesome episode, uh, a very powerful episode that I'm going to make sure I recommend to a ton of brothers and for everybody listening. Go be great. Awesome, Awesome, man. I appreciate your time, brother. Thank you. Not a problem. Till the next episode. We're definitely going to have you back. Awesome. Love, Love to be here. All right.